Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Daddy God, you are our greatest delight. Father, you are the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. God, in you, all things exist. In you, we live and move and have our being. God, I do ask that you'd give us spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Lord, that you truly would enlighten the eyes of our understanding to know you and to be aware. Lord, help us to become fully aware and fully awake, aware of the reality of your kingdom, Lord, in us, around us. And Lord, that you would help us to be aware of where we are seated, that is in heavenly places with you. In Jesus' holy name. Everybody said? Amen. I just want to start tonight with a testimony. I heard a magnificent testimony uh, this afternoon from uh, Sydney. I was ministering in Sydney at a women's event um, down there, and uh, the pastor just called me today and was saying that they'd heard wonderful testimonies, lots of miracles and healings, and people that have uh, really been wonderfully impacted, but there was one that I really appreciated. And it was um, during the message, just as I was ministering, just as I was preaching, a lady who had broken her shoulder 12 months before, had no movement at all in her arm, was instantly healed, just sitting, listening to the message, and was completely healed. But that's not the end of the story. She went back to her Baptist church the following day and that Sunday night asked if she could share her testimony because she was, it was so amazing for her that after 12 months of no movement, the Holy Spirit had just given her complete healing. And as she shared the testimony, another man in in the congregation was instantly healed. All his pain disappeared. Isn't that beautiful? Yay, Jesus. And it gives him all the glory because, you know, nothing is impossible for him. And as we start to put our faith in him, hope in him does not disappoint. Amen. And so whatever you're believing for, God is well able. You know, where else are you going to go? He alone has the words of life. We're so grateful for our medical doctors and we really appreciate No, Christine's a doctor, my dad's a doctor, we've got lots of doctors in our congregation and I go to the doctor, doctors are good. But men and women are limited in their capacity to be able to do everything. But our God who made us is able to do what no man or woman, what no science is able to do, God is able to do. And we give him all the thanks and the praise. And he is a God who is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is the God of the miraculous. He is the God of the impossible. Amen. Hallelujah. So we give him thanks. I've been, this week, I've been studying and I've been encouraging all the churches in our network to have a look and and study at, uh, looking at Revelation chapter one, two, and three. I love to go through the the whole Bible. I love to go through the scriptures. But it's important that we take time to mine the scriptures and not just read the bits we like, 
but to actually recognize the whole Bible is a gift to us and that the Holy Spirit wants to help us. He wants to speak to us through the living word. Amen? So I've been having a look. It's beautiful. It's delightful. And as you look at it, it's the revelation of Jesus. And I'm not going to go through all of the chapters, but I wanted to just highlight to you something that the Holy Spirit's been highlighting to me personally because I believe just as it's helping me, I believe it's gonna help you today. We're gonna have a look at one of the scary passages that some people panic about, but don't panic, I've got good news, okay? This is good news. I've got help and hope for you from the Word of God. So we're gonna look at Revelation chapter three. Hallelujah, it's a good book the revelation of Jesus, the one who sits on the throne, enthroned, the one that there's a sea of glass in front of him. It's so beautiful to actually read about the throne room, such a powerful and beautiful picture of who he is. But we'll have a look at Revelation chapter three. And these, this is, there's a series of letters to the seven different churches and it's beautiful to actually go through and look because every one of those letters has application for us. You can read about uh, the, the Lord speaking to the churches and saying, uh, talking to them about returning to their first love and doing the things that they did at first, remembering. Remember, hey, I see all the good things you're doing, but don't, don't lose the passion that you and I have because this is what it's all about. And, uh, and the encouragements and the exhortations that he, the, the Lord Jesus himself, the one who is and who was and is and is to come, speaking to us now. But in Revelation 3, uh, we're going to look at the church of Laodicea. And if you look at the word Laodicea, it actually means, um, can actually be translated self-righteousness. And a picture of a, a church that really um, feels like it's, we're doing pretty good um, and they've got their lives going along. And it, it seems to me that they're depicted as a, as a church that has added Christ in to their life. So yes, we, we like that, we'll receive that, we'll acknowledge that and we'll just have our life and we'll add that in. But it says here, verse 14, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, I've become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. It's a heavy piece of scripture. 
But this is written to a church in a city that was known for its gold, for its garments, and for its eye salve. And they were saying, we're fine, we're rich, we've got all this going on. And the Lord's using the very things that that has got their full attention to say, hey, if only you could see clearly. If only you could really see that what you have put all your hope in is not the main thing. That if you would, instead of just being consumed with the pursuit of wealth, you would instead be consumed with the gold that is uh, without price that which has been refined in the fire that will not perish, the treasure that won't perish. If only instead of being consumed with with the things that you have, you'd be aware and remembering that you've been clothed in white garments. That you'd pray to get eyesalf to begin to see clearly because the nature of deception is that you don't know you're deceived. So pray that you can see clearly. And then he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and I will dine with him and he with me. They say this, that when in Jewish tradition, in Jesus' day, that when a bride was to be married, the bridegroom and the father of the bridegroom would come to the door with the bride price and the cup of wine uh, to knock on the door and if the bride opened the door, it was, it was a sign that she was saying, yes, I will be your bride. And in this same picture, just as he's using the things that they relate to, the things that they understand, gold, garments, eye salve, he's using the same picture of what happens when a bridegroom comes and knocks at the door. He's saying, I'm standing here. We read that also in the Song of Songs. I'm standing at the door knocking. And she says, oh, but I've just washed my feet. I'm comfortable. It's hard to get up again. He's saying very much the same thing that he was saying when he was standing outside the the bride's door asking to come in and have fellowship. Now, we know, you and I know that having received Christ, we we have, he's come and he's become our Lord and our Savior. But this passage is not written to people who haven't received Christ as Savior. But he's talking, therefore, to Christians. I'm standing at the door knocking. You know, what I believe he's saying is, I'm wanting to get your attention to remember that I want to, above everything, have fellowship with you. I want our lives to be about a continual love feast, a continual feast, a continual fellowship. So at the end of the night, as you, or, and, or when you wake up or when you go to sleep, he's your last thought at nighttime and he's your first thought when you wake up. His heart is that we would not be consumed with the things of the world, but that they, we would be absolutely continually obsessed with the one who is greater than life. That we would understand what it looks like to continually open our hearts and say, come in, Lord, I want you to dine with me. I wanna live from a place of continual awareness of you. Proverbs chapter three says, trust the Lord with all of your heart 
and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. What he's saying is if we could live a life where we were consciously, deliberately saying, Holy Spirit, Lord, come and dine with me. I want to be continually aware. I don't want to be um, going about and, and being unaware that I'm actually starving for you. I don't wanna be going about unaware that I'm wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What he's saying is you don't even know that you aren't happy. You're, you're miserable, but you think you're fine. But he's saying your spirit's shriveling up. You need oil. You need wine. You need the joy of my presence. In my presence, there's fullness of joy, but you are wasting away and you don't even know it because you filled your life with so much other stuff. But if instead we could live in a place where we are constantly aware of the knocking at the door, that we'd be constantly opening our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, and our time to say, yes, Lord, I want to do it with you. I want to do love with you. Then from that place, we can live in abundance. What he's saying to them is, I have abundant life for you and you're not living it. You think you're fine, rich, full, and have need of nothing, but actually, you're wretched, poor, blind, miserable, and naked. You don't understand that you aren't living your best life. You aren't living in joy. You think you're happy, but true happiness doesn't come from a life that adds God in, but a life that lives from Him. You see, when you open up your heart and you become one who, who fosters a continual awareness of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, then life looks different. You see, God, He's on your side. He wants to be on your side, by your side, all the time. Imagine what it would look like if every day you consciously imagined that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father, the Spirit of Jesus, God Himself was physically with you all the time. Like imagine a day at work where the physical presence of Jesus and walking with you, talking with you. He was there in every meeting, in every interaction, in the drive into work. He was with you constantly all the time. That'd be so wonderful. But you'd also live a day where you wouldn't have any desire to sin at all because he's right here. He's right here. I have absolutely no desire to engage in gossip with you. No, actually, no, no. We don't do that. We're, no, it's not our thing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like if you were actually consciously aware of the physical presence of the Lord God, Jesus himself walking with you all the time? You wouldn't be tempted to do 
evil stuff because it's like, I'm not separated from God and I'm not I'm remotely attached to Him. I'm actually one with Him. He is with me right now and we just don't do that. You see, we talk a lot about identity. In the book of James, we, we read about if any man's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that looked at his natural face in a mirror and then walked away and forgot what he looked like. But you know, it's what we look like is not just we look like him, but we look like the body of Christ that is actually joined physically, spiritually, joined to God himself all the time. All the time. Now, if I was with, I'm married to Tom, and marriage is a picture of Christ and his bride. It's just a shadow. But if I said to Tom, hey, Tom, hey, let's go rob the local shop. <laughs> He'd be there going, no, we're not gonna do that because that's not who we are. Don't be ridiculous. And, you know, and of course we wouldn't do that. But if you were living aware that you were the bride of Christ, and that you have access to the one who will speak sense to you all the time, then you could live a life that was fruitful, abundant, and manifesting the virtues of Jesus. You see, the Holy Spirit is our helper. But you see, the thing is, we don't get all the help that we need because we don't acknowledge that he's there to help us. You see, we can easily fall into the trap of I'm rich and full and I have need of nothing. I have so much knowledge. Yes, I know that. I can quote that. I've read that. I can preach that. But God's not looking for us to be puffed up with a whole lot of knowledge that's unapplied. Yeah. Knowledge that's unapplied is simply knowledge that puffs up, but God's looking for us to walk in the spirit of wisdom, connected to acknowledging, I need wisdom. You're here to help me. I'm not down here and you up there. I am in you and you in me. You, I've opened up my heart for you to come and dine with me, talk to me, walk with me. I'm not accessing you just when I need you, but I'm acknowledging that I need you all the time and that now my life is no longer Catherine trying to get help from an outside source, but I'm actually a new person that I am joined to the one who is my ever-present help in time of need, and my time of need is all the time. The good news, this passage is a reminder to us that we do not walk alone. You don't walk alone. You're not made to walk alone. You're not made to have a religion that acknowledges, I like all the things they say, I believe it, I agree with it, and have it at hand's distance and arm's length. But God says, I am looking for a bride that will be joined to me, that will continually open their hearts and 
delight themselves in me so that I can give them the fullness of joy so that I can cause them to live life and life more abundant that is more glorious than anything they've ever understood or experienced. Now, if the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, then it is the standard that we are all invited to live into, live from. But so many of us don't live in abundant peace continually because we live like the Laodiceans, busy with our stuff. Yes, that's right, we acknowledge that we believe that. Yeah, get along with our business. Yes, we do, we agree with that. I'm a Christian, I believe that, that's good. We gotta do our stuff. And the Holy Spirit's there the whole time saying, this is not marriage. I didn't come to be a distant associate. I came to be your closest friend. I came to, for you and I to be joined as one and to do life. And his language is not, you know, tender and, you know, maybe you should think about this. He's saying, I am so fiercely distraught that you would live a life that I have not ordained for you. I am distraught that you would allow yourself to be deceived. I would prefer that you were either hot or cold because if you were cold, I could reach out to you so that you could see the truth. But because you look warm, you've got a taste of the truth. You know the stuff, but you're deceiving yourself and you are living separated from me. Separated not necessarily in spirit, but separated in your everyday outworking and living way below the purpose of Jesus. Wretched, poor, miserable, blind and naked. He's speaking to the redeemed ones. Imagine what a life would look like if every day we took the opportunity to open the door of our hearts and say, Jesus, I know you're here. I know I'm joined to you, but I want to fellowship with you in a real way. Now, Emily lives in my house and Joseph and Jessica and Tom, and they live in my house. But when I have breakfast, I really like to have people to have breakfast with. And it's like I look forward to it. So I'll make a cup of tea and I'll take it into Emily's room and I'll knock on the door, Emily, <laughs> Emily, it's morning, let's eat the breakfast. Because <laughs> I get lonely if I don't have all my people to have the breakfast with. I want to talk to them. Yeah. And Tom's there and, and you know, if Joseph's getting ready for academy, I'm like, Joseph, let's have I'll make you, I'll make you some toast with some melted cheese or something. Come and eat the breakfast in the kitchen with me. And we're in the same house, but if we don't make the effort to eat together, we miss out on the connection. We are family, but if we don't make the effort, 
we become housemates that pass each other in the night and the day. And this is the grief that the father has. This is what distresses his heart and says, it's hard for, I feel like the Holy Spirit saying, this is hard for me to process because I can't grieve you as lost and seek you out as lost, but I'm not having what I purchased. And you're living in this place where it's just, it's, it's horrible because you are missing what you were intended to have. The heart of the Father is for us to again cry out and say, give me myself, God, to see where I have begun to live less than the joy that you have for me, where I've begun to live with an, a strange attitude of somehow being distant from you. But help me to remind myself that thank God I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. And Christ in me is not just a concept or a theory. Christ in me is me in him, he in me, and us on the same side doing everything together, acknowledging one another continually throughout the day in everything I do and say and think. That in every decision I have to make, I'm not alone. I am with Him, in Him, Him in me and I in Him. That I would live not unaware of what I have, not a roommate, but someone that continually feasts, talks, and fellowships with the one that I was created to do life with. I feel the Holy Spirit. I can't understand it necessarily, but prophetically, I feel this divine urgency in the Spirit for the people of God to recognize, to cry out for ourselves, that they might see the time and the season that they're living in. That we might not become conformed to the pattern of the world, but transformed through the renewing of our minds. That we might not live unaware of the favor that we have right now to present the King of glory as He truly is, the gospel in all its purity, the, the simplicity of Christ and Him crucified. We have this opportunity and God is longing for us to wake up and realize that life is on now. This isn't a dress rehearsal for some coming day, it's now. Your destiny isn't in the future, it's now, it's right now. You are alive and He is alive and Christ in you is dreaming of being the light of the world. Christ in you has already overcome and wants to take you from glory to glory, strength to strength, from victory to victory. Instead of living as though we are little victims trying to get by employing the tactics of the world 
or living from a place of help. I don't know what I'm doing when the Holy Spirit's saying, look at me, I want to be your help. I, I just, the picture of opening up the door of my heart and not becoming complacent like the Song of Songs bride, but saying, no, I, I'm not gonna be content with a one-off encounter. I want a continuous encounter with the one who continually wants to do life with me. We can say that, nearly everybody listening would agree, yes, that's right. But how many, as they lie down tonight, or as they get up in the morning, will consciously open the door of their heart and saying, God, today I don't wanna do this day by myself, acknowledging you as some distant religion that I adhere to but today I wanna to open my heart and do this day with you on my side, by my side, in me and me in you. I want to do everything I do today in you, positioned at rest, knowing that you are for me. I wanna do everything in your strength that you might receive the glory you are due. The Holy Spirit is longing for us to realize that the freedom from sin, freedom from anxiety and fear and purposeless is not just what you know, but it is in you living in Him, from Him, and Him in you that out of your belly will flow continually rivers of living water, that you will continually go to him who wants to give you oil and wine, that the fire of your first love will continue to burn like a glorious flame, and that as you deliberately, intentionally take time to sit down and seek his face, to do those things you did at first, to read the Word of God, to study it, to mine it, to pray, to ask Him, respond to what you're reading, ask Him for eyesight, ask Him for wisdom, ask Him for help, receive it, thank it, make declarations, live like Him, then your life will be abundant and overflowing. God doesn't ask us not to be engaged with the world. He wasn't telling the Laodiceans, I don't want you to be merchants. He was saying, I don't want to be on the sideline of your life. I wanna do it with you. I wanna do everything you do with you because the way you're living, it's not God up there going bad, I don't like you, you're bad. He's there going, you are pitiable. I have pity for you, is actually the words that he's using. I have pity for you. My heart grieves for you because the way you're living is not happiness. You are miserable and you don't realize it. You're sad, you're wretched, you're skinny in the spirit and you're wasting away. And I wanna give you the oil of my presence, the fatness of my blessing. 
And I want you to live in perfect peace, supernatural joy, and abundant, overflowing wisdom, grace, and divine initiatives. Hallelujah. Shakaba. It's a heavier word than you might normally hear. But it's the Bible. And you know what? It's good for us. The Bible's good for your heart. It's good for your life. It's not meant to beat you up or make you feel bad. It's designed to help you live in true supernatural freedom. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you, but Holy Spirit, we're asking for ourselves. Give us ourselves, God, so that we can see. Lord, that we can live with the, the door of our heart continually, deliberately being opened to you, inviting you into the inner parts of our lives, into the daily inner workings of our lives. Father, we're asking Holy Spirit that you would help us to understand what true fellowship truly is. Lord, we wanna live not as, some, as people that are distant or separated or somehow remotely attached, but God, we want to live in you, with you, from you, fully aware and fully awake of your presence with us right now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, we're going to pray for some people. Hashababa. Is that helpful? I, um, I have my own little desk at home, and it's a very little desk, so it's got like piles of books and have to make room for my computer and like shuffle things around. But I like it because it's pretty. And I have, I have a little candle, and I light the candle, not because it's a religious thing, it's just a, <laughs> smells nice. And I set it up for my little daily time with the Lord. And I, I have my little candle, and I turn my lamp on, pretty lamp, by the way. Pretty lamp, pretty candle, pretty pen. And I've got my communion cups on the desk. And I sit down, and I take my communion and then I open up the word and I read and I study the word and I open up my journal and I talk to the Lord and I write down the things that he says and this is my little routine. And then through the day, obviously I have other things and I, but God wants you and he to be deliberate, to establish a little routine where you begin the day opening up the door and saying, God, I need you. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm rich and full and have need of nothing. I, I, I need you. I acknowledge my need. Some people get upset. I call them the grace Pharisees. I'm sorry, but they do. They get upset with me. They say, you've got everything you need. Yes. But if I don't open up the fridge door and eat it, then it is of no use to me. If I don't acknowledge that I'm hungry, the fridge can be full of food and I can be starving. I need to go, 
I'm hungry. That does not mean my husband is neglecting me. I am hungry, so I'm going to get up and I'm going to eat. God's saying, you're hungry and many of you don't even know it. Let the Holy Spirit open your eyes so you can recognize it and go and get what he wants to give you so that you can live from a place of overflow. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.